what's going on? Oh, that's so that's so weird. I'm calling you from my car, and your voice is like in all of my speakers. Ah, that's really creepy. <laughs> so okay, you... I'm running late. Okay. Uh, so, okay, cool. No, I, I think I got everything set up. Um. Okay, okay, but I have something really important to tell you. <laughs> uh, all right, that's interesting. <laughs> okay, hold on. Wait. Hey, what is that guy doing? That's not a. It's not a left turn. Ah. Um, no, no, I. Oh God, how do I say it? Um. Look, what? What? Okay, just. I, why don't you just tell me when you get here? Um, okay, I hope I make it. All right, <laughs> good luck. I'll, I'll see you in a couple of minutes. Jeez. Okay, I'll be there. Okay, bye. Bye. Huh. That's odd. Yeah, I made it. <laughs> the hell? It sounded like you were going to get in a, like a car accident or something. Traffic circles, man. What's up with traffic circles? Ugh, Drivers weird. in Seattle. All right, all right. Tell me, what's, what's the big secret? What's, um, what's the news? I didn't finish the book. Okay, I, I didn't either. <sighs> okay. Wow, I'm glad we got that out of the way. Jeez. I was really close. I, I was like up to one canto from the end, but I couldn't bring myself to finish. All right, maybe we should say what book it is, okay. and we'll, and and then we can get into why we didn't read it. And by the way, I just read the first canto. That's it. That's it. I barely got into the second one. Oh. Oh man, this book was awful. So okay. welcome to the Bowie Book Club. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Christiane, uh, and I'm Greg. And, and <laughs> apparently, we... we don't read the books that we say we're going to read. Uh, we've had a book club for about 10 years, and uh, we read a lot of books, and sometimes we talked about them. Mostly, uh, we just got drunk and gossiped. Mm. And so then last year, the sad death of David Bowie, we started reading through his list of 100 most influential books in no particular order. In fact, in a completely nonsensical order. <laughs> and and, and we came up with this gem. <laughs> Jeez. And along the way, we make wild speculation about what the books meant to Bowie. Wild speculations. Wild. And, and this one, we're going to have to stretch. This man, are Bowie and I ever going to see eye to eye on books? Yeah, this is what I'm starting to wonder. Like, we, 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 we kind of gone through a bad patch here. Man, what was the reason that we picked? Oh, so the, the choice, why this one came up in our, in our numbers yeah. for why we're reading it this year was because our waitress chose number 88. And this was number 88 on the list. Um, so it's her fault. We're going back to that restaurant, <laughs> and I'm taking back my tip. I want my 20% back. Because <laughs> I read about 20% of the book, yeah. So, so I guess I guess it's fair. Barely. Barely, 20%. yeah. So, okay, so what, what was this monstrosity? Okay, so the book is Le Chant de Maldoror, um, which is, they call it a long prose poem. I didn't, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was neither prose nor poetic. Uh, 
And it was written around, it was between 1868 and 1869 by the author Comte de Lontremont, which is a pseudonym for Isidore Ducasse, who um, was born in Uruguay to French diplomats. Um, I learned that in boarding school, in a pitchfork uh, piece I read, uh, Isidore Ducasse, Ducasse or Comte de Lautremont was called a silent boy who wrote bizarre and obscure poems. Much like this one. <laughs> yeah, which apparently persisted. Um, there's some part of it that makes sense. He wrote this when he was 22 years old. So it has all the trappings of a very unhappy youth. Yeah, I mean, it's there's no real way to summarize what happens because you can't really tell who the the narrator is. Yeah, it's I, I mean it's Maldoror, I I guess it's his songs. Yeah. Um but he's sort of wandering through places and seeing horrible things that people do and passing judgment and talking about how he wishes he was an animal or that he could have sex with a shark. Um, <laughs> Wait, I, I should have kept reading. What, what, what canto is that in? <laughs> I don't remember, but it sort of reads like Steve Bannon fanfic. <laughs> um. <laughs> yeah, especially the sex with the shark part. I, I'm sure he's thought about that before. Um, I think it was in like Canto 3. I, I can't remember. But but the, at least for the, the parts that I read, it, it kind of did read like someone just like turned on a random metal lyric generator. Yes. And and you know just like threw a bunch of words together about crypts and like and and oh she like vast and abyss. Here's a great um uh let me see. So the bastards of mankind when with her propitious obscurity night fell they leapt from proper crested craters of submarine currents and left very far behind them the rocky chamber pots where strains the constipated anus of the human cockatoos <laughs> until they could oh, no God. longer discern the suspended silhouette of the filthy planet. Well, th- there you go. Um, if anyone wants to read this book after hearing that, <laughs> happily, happily we'll, we'll send you our copies. He's, he's very proud of himself. He... Also, I think this is in Canto 4 or 5. He says, um, I warn whoever is reading me to beware of forming a vague and all the more false idea of the beauties of literature I exfoliate in the excessively swift proliferation of my sentences. Alas, I would like to develop my arguments and my similes slowly and with much magnificence, but who has the time? <laughs> it's such a busy schedule of gothing. <laughs> and, and, and I've got to meet the shark for a Tinder date. Yeah. <laughs> he, I, all I can, I just picture now whenever I think of him, Roz Williams, the lead singer of Christian Death. Because, ah. like <laughs> yeah, this is the most goth book ever, I think. Yes. <laughs> like this book rises from the depths of... What was that goth club that you were telling me about? <laughs> Roderick's Chamber? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe you should reveal some of your gothic history. <laughs> we used to go to Roderick's Chamber in uh, San Francisco. Yeah. It was... I remember this guy used to wear roller skates, so that which seems not very yeah, goth, that's, right? Yeah, that doesn't seem goth at all. But it's so that he would glide 
across the floor. He was so goth he didn't have to oh, walk. Like he was wearing like a like a robe or something like so you cape. couldn't see him. Yeah. Oh, okay, that's pretty dope. That's great. <laughs> kind of. It's also super nerdy. Yeah, yeah. The one time I got uh, I went to the goth club here, I think is Mercury? The Mer- Oh yeah, the Mercury. Yeah. yeah. Uh, me and my friend Lucky uh, got drunk and went there and uh, almost got kicked out for breakdancing. <laughs> it was really fun. I didn't know you were a breakdancer. I wasn't. I'm not. <laughs> so were you kicked out for breakdancing in a goth club or were you kicked out for bad breakdancing? A uh, uh, little column A, little column B, you know. Yeah. I don't think I could be officially considered goth. I mean, I was sort of the, the honorary hippie of the goths. They, they termed me Stevie Nicks. Uh, okay. Hey, that that's pretty good. That's not bad. And they probably thought you were like into like, you know, you were able to provide them with earth magic that they could use to become even more powerful. Yeah. Yeah. I could say that. Sure. <laughs> You're like, yeah, here's a, here's, here's some uh, hemlock. Take three of these rocks and call me in the morning. <laughs> you'll, you'll be even gother in the morning. <laughs> There's no photo evidence of any of this, by the way. Uh, well, okay. I was hoping that there would be something we could post in the show notes, but uh, you're not willing to... No part. photo <laughs> evidence exists at all. It's all been destroyed. <laughs> so I, I think we have to go back to like the question we've been asking like all all this year, at least. is like, why, Bowie? Why do you do this to us? Like, what? Did, why did he pick this book? What, what was influential about it? You know, it kind of reminds me of what we were talking about with friends last month, um the bit of pretension of, or so the bit of, I've got to read what's, what's what, popular. What's what, yeah. yeah. What's important now in the zeitgeist. And also I was reading a bunch of like, uh, readers reviews of this title, like wondering to myself who actually reads this. Yeah. Who likes Does this? Does anyone yeah. like this? Am yeah. I just missing something? And I think that's the very point is most of the reviews I was reading from people were saying things like, oh, I know a lot of people won't get this, but I get it. It's genius. It's it's like, oh, I've been initiated into the club. I know the secret handshake. Yeah. You know? So if you, there is there was that feeling for me reading some of these reviews, like, oh, I, I guess I didn't get it. I, I, I must not be you know, dark enough, dark enough, savvy enough, enough, something that, but I think it trades in that. I mean, the, the very first canto opens, uh, Maldoror writes, uh, it would be, it would not be good for everyone to read the pages which follow. Only the few may relish this bitter fruit without danger. So timid soul before further penetration of such uncharted steps retrace do not advance. And you know that, that every goth kid is going to be like, oh, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm in totally it. I'm advancing. It. My parents won't like this, but I do. And, and now that we're like a zillion years old, we're like, oh, this book isn't any good. That was a really good goth voice right there. Oh. <laughs> I've been practicing. I've been listening to a lot of old damned records. So I'm trying to get that Vanian thing going. I yeah. guess that's not really goth. That's too silly to be goth. I think that the book was also, I mean, I've read a ton of things about the surrealists who came much after. So uh, Comte de L'Entremont, otherwise known as Isidore Ducasse, 
died two years after he wrote this. He was 24 years old. So, so it has that sort of mystique of like the the young, the artist dying young, you know, it's sort of, and it was around the time of like the sorrows of young Werther and like that, uh, the rash of suicides that accompanied it. Yeah. It was like, I think it, there is this sense of, of um, uh, the, the sense of transgression that comes along with it. it. It's still like, you can still see it in goth and black metal and doom metal, like the sense of being initiated into this cult sort of thing that mm -hmm. other people won't understand. They're not cool and dark enough. Yeah, yeah. And and the Surrealists were really influenced by this, or at least that's what the impression yeah. that I got. So tons of Surrealist writers, painters, um, referenced Maldoror as an influence on their own work. Um, one of my favorite authors, André Breton, uh, André Breton uh, said... What did he say? The expression of total revelation, which seems to surpass human capabilities, which is what he thought of Maldoror. Which, I mean, that, I didn't... I didn't get it. <laughs> I was not cool I, enough. Well, I wonder, I wonder if part of the problem is like by now that we're so like immune to this kind of particular type of transgressive literature that it's, it's like, you know, we have, we have access to much, much worse stuff oh, on the internet or... Yeah. or um, and, and sort of like this sort of vocabulary, you know, thanks to every metal and goth band from like Black Sabbath on, you know, is really familiar at this point. Like, so it's, it's like, nothing's really shocking to quote another band whose singer probably really dug this book too. <laughs> but it, yeah, I, I get how the segments I mean, they, they are kind of just segments or incidents. The book is kind of full of just these incidents in which Maldoror sees horrible things or does horrible things to people. Um, they are gruesome. There's, you know, two women beating a man and men beating women. And he's explaining to a young child how to become a thief and a murderer. And... The only times he seems kind of happy is when he's talking about being an animal. Like one time he's a pig, I think. And another time oh. when he's having sex with a shark. And then, As you do. And then another time there's a, a man who lives with the fish. Um, and so, there, yeah, there's just all these kind of surrealist kind yeah. of ways to describe suffering and transgression and the evils of humans and god right yeah and and that's a standard sort of adolescent posture is mm -hmm. that you know nothing's pure i can't believe or trust anything so i have to you know i have to move in the opposite direction of where i've been told um because i see that all as false and and yeah and so much like so much of our um, you know, so much of the culture of rock music is about that sort of transgression and, and, mm -hmm. and moving, like, establishing yourself as separate from the mainstream of society. Yeah. And, and th this just happens to be a really poorly executed <laughs> you know, attempt to do it. For those of us who are not cool and uninitiated. Right, yeah. I mean, maybe maybe it's just because I'm totally square. You are L7. So square. The fact that I just said that... <laughs> <laughs> Just outs me as a complete, <laughs> a complete old guy and nerd. The um, 
Oh my God, I just lost my train of thought. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll cut this out. I'll fix it in post. Because <laughs> I spent a lot of time editing this show. <laughs> um, I, I was just looking at the notes that we had written down in planning. Uh, the metal vocabulary, overwrought, egotistical, kind of boring. And why, for some reason, you wrote hot topio on my <laughs> notebook. <laughs> I think that was supposed to be Hot Topic. Like, I'm, I'm pretty sure they sell this book at Hot Topic. But but it's like in a glass case and you have to like, 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 sh- you know, you have to be wearing the right t-shirt or something to, to, to be cool access. enough. Yeah, like. Secret handshake. Yeah, your haircut's not elaborate enough. The, the other part of this book that definitely connects to Bowie is that completely present anti-hero yeah he just likes that dislikable guy right right and and yeah and this was particularly odious and that you couldn't even really <laughs> good choice of words <laughs> thank you thank you i've been <laughs> i've been studying my metal lyric generator <laughs> I'll, I'll find that thing we were talking about uh the uh voidpatterns.org yeah yeah where the like somebody ran a, a, a program to do textual analysis on metal lyrics to see what what words came up the most? Oh, that's awesome. And and the the word void, of course, is yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> now I lost my train of thought. Ugh, so much editing to do. The so the antihero and also the outsider idea that Bowie's really hung up on in a lot of the books he chose, and it probably was a great book during his like big cocaine occult phase yeah when he was like oh i'm mr crowley no that that was ozzy um but but where he was like yeah he's like what was it he's eating nothing but raw red peppers and drinking milk yeah nothing but milk and and he had to have his swimming pool exercised because he thought that it was full of witches who were trying to steal his semen or something the cocaine is a hell of a drug (laughs) jeez But like, imagine yeah, reading this wouldn't have helped any. No. <laughs> that, that's not going to cure that kind of condition. Sense, then. That this like helped drive him into a brief period of insanity. Well, I mean, maybe the book makes sense when you're that paranoid already. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, but then I'm not willing to try. No, no, <laughs> d- definitely. I'm, I'm okay. I'm okay. Not, not going that down that particular branch, that particular fork in this river. Yeah. But, but what, what was, uh, see, it, that's another question we keep coming back to is like, why was this influential? And then like, what books, you know, okay. Yeah. And what books are influential to us? Yeah. And I, and I do have to remind myself when our, when I'm not agreeing with Bowie's choices of books, that there's a different, a significant difference between a book that is influential and one that is a favorite right and that even in influential books there's different types of influential books like there's some books i can think of as being like lifelong influences to me that i return to over and over again yeah and i get something new from versus books that are sort of influences of the moment we were talking about them as sort of something that sits in your mind like an event a a memory you don't have to go back to that book and sometimes when you do it's a little bit embarrassing (laughs) right yeah like like i can imagine someone who's 22 and super goth reading this and being like oh my life will be so wicked (laughs) and then like 10 years later you got like you're changing a diaper you know the you got some i don't know you got to fix the plumbing and you're watching like 
uh, you're binge watching 30 Rock and you're like, this is the least goth my life has ever been. You couldn't imagine going back to reading a book like this. And does that mean that that's where we lose the the skill or or ta- talent, I don't know, to, to see the worth of it? When people have that um, exclusive ticket to to sort of the sense and meaning of a book like this and they say like, well, you know, squares don't get it yeah. because they've lost touch with with art and with... And with the darkness of their souls. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and it's the same thing with music too. There's like, you know, records that I swore by in my 20s that I, I totally couldn't listen to now. Not yeah. not because they're bad, you know, or not... not it's just that I, I don't... I'm not the same person... And it seems really trite to say, but but it, it, and I think it works the same way with books too. Well, we'd hope we aren't the same people as we go on. I mean, then you end up like poor Roz Williams. Yeah, yeah. Who hung himself on his thirty-something birthday. Which is yeah, and it's like this really. It's it's really tragic, you know, when you age out of your. You know, sort of this narrow culture or yeah. narrow sort of way of seeing yourself, um, and it'd be it'd be really interesting to like. Um, you know, Bowie was a, 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 a great example of someone who stayed creative and stayed, um, through reinvention. Yeah. Yeah. But still, you know, there's the kernel of, of stuff from his, you know, there's threads that run all the way through from his early work to his last record. And it'd be interesting to see if there's artists in like the really narrow categories of like really dark music, like goth or, or metal Mm -hmm. who are, you know, who, who are remaining sort of fresh and reinventing themselves within th- those genres. But um, no matter who they are, there's always going to be a school of folks who say they sold out. Right. Or yeah. Changed too much. Or... Right. Yeah. Because like, you know, music is for the young, you know, for the pure who are kind of uncorrupted by the rest of life getting in the way of being utterly dark <laughs> or like true cult metal or whatever. <laughs> Yeah, we, when we were talking, when we were thinking about the books, influences ourselves, I, I mean, things that I come back to over and over again, like Moby Dick, I read yeah. it every so often. Yeah. Um, but also like um, Teaching a Stone to Talk, Annie Dillard, that still feels really valuable to me. Um, and I reread Master and Margarita pretty frequently as well. But then there's these other books that were really meaningful to me yeah. when I was, I think, 15, 16, and 17 years old. Um, Lonesome Traveler, my first Jack Kerouac. Yeah, Kerouac's like a prime author for just for the young. Like yeah. You can't read him. And there's some flaws in these books that I see now. The other was like Ishmael, the one with like the talking ape talking gorilla oh, yeah yeah and it was that like had its moment too environmental right? crusade kind of mm-hmm. awakening um and also the chalice and the blade uh rian eisler book about like revisionist female histories um archaeological evidences and they, they're all they were all so significant to my development and the paths that i ended up taking yeah and when i if i was to go back to them now i I already know I would find some significant right, right, and flaws in them, but they were really significant. They would still be on my list. Yeah, yeah, and I think like for me, like I, I read um, William Kennedy's Albany Cycle like tons of times, you know, in high school and college, and it, 
um, because part of me was really like not nostalgic for, it, but really uh, nostalgic for a time you didn't live in. Exactly. Yeah. In fact, that that's been the story of my life pretty much. <laughs> but like, I, yeah, I just wanted to be in Albany in the '30s, wearing a fedora, <laughs> going to the diner. Uh, running numbers or doing some sort of low-level crime live in like a hopper painting exactly yeah yeah and like now you couldn't pay me to wear a fedora (laughs) like thinning hair and all like i I can't do it (laughs) but but at one time like those are the most important books in the world to me and and the the i think the the books that are influential now are, are stuff like that feel instructive like um the books that Linda Berry has written recently about creativity mm-hmm. are like so like I I I can't like I never stop reading them, mm-hmm. you know, because like I get something new out of them all the time, and they're they're actually they feel like they're teaching me something, um, and and maybe that's what sticks is a book that feels like it's helping you reshape yourself, mm-hmm. um, and, and I think very few books kind of can do that your whole your whole life. Right, so why a book like Maldor could maybe show up on a list is it was instructive at a time. Yeah. A time yeah. when that was what you were searching around. I mean, Bowie's interest in studying religion yep. from Buddhism, yep, Buddhism to the occult yeah. And, yeah. Um, and being interested in sort of different like ways esoteric to express stuff. Yeah, yeah. the surrealist kind of imagery. Yeah, it makes and, sense. And it's sort of sort of interesting that like as transgressive and and sort of like outside the mainstream as he as he shaped himself, he is such like a an an icon, you know, such a recognizable um figure that, you know, even us old people and and folks who are even <laughs> older than us, you know, you hear him on classic rock radio stations like in commercials, like it's sort of like there's he became not transgressive at all. You know, despite, yeah. you know, all the things he did that were sort of firsts and like, like, a, um, and I think that just happens to musicians and artists as they get older. Like I saw Radiohead uh, oh, yeah, a couple weeks ago. Yeah, yeah. An amazing show and really true to themselves. Um, and, and, and for how dour they are, <laughs> like the people in the crowd were treating them like Leonard Skinnerd, you know, the, like cigarette lighters, like woohoo, the whole bit. It's And it's weird, like. Um, the way that, not that I think of them as transgressive, but I don't think of them as a party band, but, mm. but people do seem to. And I guess you kind of, uh, getting way off topic here, but I think you end up, um, as you get older as an artist, you have to kind of admit that people are going to read what they want into you. Um, so yeah, I don't, I have no idea. Why I, why I went there, but maybe we should talk about um, what's coming up next. Is it another antihero? Um, I don't know. I haven't read it. Uh, yeah, I, I guess that was a that was a rhetorical question. <laughs> Tune in again next time. Does Bowie, <laughs> as we roll the dice, does Bowie give us another antihero? <laughs> but then the next book up is uh, the brief wondrous life of Oscar Wow. By Probably Juno Diaz. By Juno Diaz, and I'm really excited to read it. I, yeah. I like the other stuff that I've read by him, and I haven't read this, so this this should be fun. I hope. More fun than this, at least. Yeah, we're going to agree to disagree with Bowie on this Maldoror one. All right. We'll, we'll, we'll give him a mulligan. We'll give him a gimme on this one. But if you screw us again, Bowie. <laughs> <laughs> we uh searching around for the song that we wanted to use for this. 
um, first we were going to do our least favorite Bowie songs yeah. in order to connect to our least, least favorite, favorite Bowie, Bowie book. book. Yeah. <laughs> Which one did you pick? Or Well, I didn't, I don't even know if it was least favorite, but for me, the, the um, song that I really wanted to use was the Please Mr. Gravedigger off that first Bowie album, <laughs> which is just this weird uh, dialogue about a guy watching a gravedigger dig a grave for a child. And then, so I guess it was based on a, a story that was like a pulp, you know, horror story uh-huh. about a killer who goes to the burying of the young child that he killed and then ends up killing the grave digger as well and burying him. But it seemed really dark and weird and yeah, and c- kind of goth. Yeah. 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 A little goth. I, I went in the exact opposite direction because um, my least favorite Bowie song, in fact, one of my least favorite songs of all time <laughs> is the the awful cover that he and Mick Jagger did of Dancing in the Street. <laughs> and it's been stuck in my head since I thought of it. So I, I guess I'm, I'm, I'm reaping my own punishment. <laughs> you did it to yourself. Yeah, I totally did. Yeah. But, but the song we decided to use instead, I was poking around at um, different goth and metal bands that use Maldoror in their lyrics or in the title of their band. And there was a band called Chant, Chants of Maldoror instead of Chant de Maldoror. And they were kind of like a goth rock band. I don't think they're around anymore, but they still have a Facebook page. And when David Bowie died, they posted a video and said, our farewell to a very important artist to whom we owe much of our training as persons and as musicians. And then they posted the video of, um, or just the song, really, The Width of a Circle, which when I started listening to, I realized, oh, this fits perfectly. It's sort of this exploration of Nietzschean um, will to power and spiritual discomfort and meeting the beast and being a little bit pretentious and (laughs) (laughs) and it had all the trappings of of Maldor Malodor that's that site that I've really come to love that pushing ahead of the dame which is put together by Chris O'Leary oh yeah that's a yeah that's really cool site yeah he um he writes on there about um the width of a circle about the lyrics that start kind of devolving into sort of spinal tap (laughs) kind of quality lyrics. (laughs) You're like, are you serious? You're super melodramatic right now. (laughs) And then in our, our great tome, Nicholas Pegg, complete David Bowie. um, Our Bible. Yeah. He, he does talk about width of a circle as being a, He says it brings Bowie's music closer to Deep Purple or Black Sabbath than at any time before or since. Very metal. Yeah. So sort of his his big metal. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But he he does have these great quotes from Bowie talking about the song. He says, um, quote, I very much doubt whether anyone could decipher that song correctly on my level. I went to the depths of myself in that. Oh, God. Which was from a Phonograph Record magazine in 1971. And then another time, um, he says, 
it covers a period from which I was about 17 to just before I recorded this album. And I was like, yep, that makes sense. Yeah. It's that age. Like, yeah. yeah. The, the, the age at, with, at which your goth levels are highest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I felt like that was the sort of like Nietzschean connections and the, the sort of dark, what was the lyric? Um, His tongue swollen with devil's love. I smelled the burning pit of fear. <laughs> wow. Did, he got that straight out of the metal lyrics generator. Yeah. But it, yeah, it'll be interesting to read the Juno Diaz book because that's, you know, it, it, I imagine it's probably like 10, 15 years old, maybe. Mm-hmm. Like at, so at the oldest. It's a little bit more so, recent than yeah, some of the stuff. Yeah, a much older Bowie reading it. Yeah. So yeah, so it'll be interesting to Fingers con- crossed. contrast this. Yeah. Please, please. <laughs> okay, well, we better... Get out of here uh, before the demons trapped within this book. Actually, we're going to have to exercise the book yeah. <laughs> by throwing it away. I kind of thought about throwing it out my car window on the way over. <laughs> and if that guy hadn't like tried to run you off the road or whatever. Yeah, yeah maybe maybe it's because the, the devil's after you. Yeah, just we got to get rid of these in books. In the form of that really bad driver. That's that's how the devil gets you these days. Yeah, Bad driving. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, um, of course... You can find us on bowiebookclub.com or on... On uh, Twitter at, uh, at bowiebookpod. Or at Facebook at bowiebookclubpodcast. And we'd love to hear about the books that influence you. Mm-hmm. So uh, Remember, influence, us... not your favorite. Yeah, yeah. So no favorites, only influence. <laughs> and uh, uh, rate and review us on iTunes if you get a second. Um, and let us know what you think. And yes, give us suggestions for books and songs coming up. And until next time, I've been Christian. And I've been Greg. <laughs> Bye. Bye. So metal. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's barely. <laughs> I think I would ruin my vocal cords if I did that. It, it took years of training. <laughs> my, my metal coach. Beelzebub. <laughs>
And it does seem like he's a pretty nice guy yeah. who moved to Poughkeepsie because uh, it was cheap and also because uh, they uh, host wrestling matches at the <laughs> local, local civic center. So there you go. He's really into wrestling. He's really into wrestling. Yeah, yeah. All this makes so much sense. It, it all adds up, right? <laughs> <laughs> Shit.